Welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen, a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics and new thought. They're all about the basics, but they are not basic bitches. Now, here are your hosts, April Dali and Jen Merkel. Oh, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. My name is Jen Merkel. I am a transformational life coach and a certified hypnosis practitioner. And you can learn about me and sign up for my wellness newsletter at jenmerkelhypnosis.com. I'm April Darley. I'm an emotional strength and confidence coach, and you can learn about all the emotional release and wonderful things I can help you achieve at apraldarley.com. So April, tell me what kind of witchy things do you have going on right now? All right. Well, you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about our planners for 2021. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you, how's that going for you? Well, I broke down and I went ahead and ordered the Llewellyn Witches Guide because I do like the magical planner, but it's eight by 10. It's not spiral bound and it was just a little too big for what I wanted to do. Right. And if you're going to be using it for a whole year, it has to be something that really works for you. Right. And I was like, Oh, it's only February. I can gut it out. But I'm like thinking, you know what, if it's only February and I'm still, I'm already getting irritated at at this. I can't (laughs) imagine that this is going to improve throughout the course of the year. So I did go ahead and get the Llewellyn. So Lesson learned to me next year, I'll just go straight for one of the Llewellyn's <laughs> and save myself some aggravation and 30 bucks. So, well, yeah. that's okay. I mean, you know, you, you learn something, but it's mm-hmm. good that you're willing to try new things. I mean, the earth sign in you <laughs> right? released just a little bit and that's good. Yeah. So speaking of trying new things, I actually got an offer that I regretfully had to turn down. What's but that? It, it was an offer to re-tarot at the Texas Scarborough Renaissance Fair. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. But why did you have to turn it down? A couple of reasons. So it's about an hour and a half away from here. Uh-huh. So I would have had to get lodgings because y'all, I'm a Taurus. I don't camp. Like I don't camp on site and I got my real business throughout the week. So that's not a doable thing. Right. Plus, once you add in like dog care, which is child care, once you add in lodging for the weekend, right. plus um, the person who owns those spots takes a, a portion of your income. Right. Of course. The fair may or may not go on this year because that's of COVID. true. Exactly. Plus, all of the readers would have to wear face masks and shields in the 80, 90 degree Texas weather. Wow. So I just couldn't see me in Renaissance garb with a face mask, a face shield, and you know how I feel about hot weather. That is not my that is not my thing. When is the fair taking place? It is I think it's about mid-April to the okay. end of May. Yeah, so I think so it was, it's yeah, it's warm toasty out. for me. You guys, really, I have it could be low, anything right? <laughs> right now in Texas. Right. Who knows, it could right? be a hailstorm. It could be yeah. a tornado. Who knows? So I did the the numbers, like the cost and benefit, what you right. know, and I just wasn't going to come out too much on top with that. So it was really a sad thing. I had to say no, because that's such a bucket list thing yeah. of mine, right? I would have loved to have done it. And if I had someone, you know, that would watch my dogs, or if I live closer to the event, I and if it weren't COVID, I mean, I would love to do all these things. But as it is, they normally get, I think, I think she said something like 22,000 visitors per day. On a normal year. On a normal year. So she wasn't sure if they were going to limit the uh, participants that could come in. And I mean, it's a complete wild card with COVID. Number one, if it even happens, but number two, what kind of new restrictions will be in place. So all of the unknowns were just too much for this little Taurus. And I had to unfortunately bow out. Uh, But you know what? It's so, so great that you actually were offered that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So even though your bucket list is to do it, I think Mm -hmm. you could, you know, check that thing off and maybe in the future it'll work out. 
Absolutely. She said she'd keep me in mind for the future. And I feel like it's one of those Oscar situations. Like it was an honor to be nominated. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. That's because those fairs, they are really tough to get into. They're almost like carnivals. People travel Mm -hmm. from place to place, from fair Mm -hmm. to fair. And this is part of a big part of their income and what they do all the time. Yeah. So to be asked to join that, that's amazing. So good for you. Thanks. Well, what's new in Gen World? Ah, uh, nothing that exciting. That's for sure. <laughs> Any witchy pagan things that you're doing right now? Well, I'm just kind of waiting for the full moon, which will be out, uh, have been happened by the time that we, this podcast drops mm-hmm. this episode. So I'm excited. I mean, I did, I talked a little bit about the ceremony I did for Disting or Imbo mm-hmm. last time. And uh, so this time I'll probably burn things again, but uh, I'll be a little bit more cautious about it. So with the new moon, Mm -hmm. I did a little ritual. And if you remember, you and I were having this conversation Mm -hmm. where I was like, hey, the new moon's coming up. I've never done an actual ritual like Mm -hmm. this so much before Mm because I'm doing as you deem it high magic, I guess. Jen takes um, the high road. I take the low road. Hey, yeah. I'm an Aquarius. Practical I'm an magic. air sign. High magic all the way. <laughs> I was like trying to figure out because part of what you know you do during a new moon is release, or actually, as we call it in the book that I'm using, a dark moon. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. And uh, is it a release? So I'm like, I have some things I want to release, but. And they even say, you know, write it all down on paper and burn the paper. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I've learned my lesson about that. <laughs> and it's just the way I knew the weather wasn't good enough outside to do it outside. Plus, you know, it can be windy and take some, you know, papers away. And I don't want to be blamed. You know, I could just picture the headline apartment building burns <laughs> down because right. of witchcraft and Satan worshiping. Right. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. don't need to bring that kind of juju into my mm-hmm. area. So I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And then I'm like, maybe what I'll do is figure out how to have some kind of symbolism that symbolizes release. But I wasn't sure how to do that. And my good friend April was like, well, why don't you do a sigil? And I'm like, oh, because I have never worked with sigils before. As a matter of fact, the first I ever heard about sigils was when I started reading this book that I'm, you know, using for my rituals. I'm like a sigil. And so we should do a bonus episode on sigils. (laughs) Anyway, so basically it's just kind of a symbol that represents an intention or uh, whatever it is you're you're trying to put together. There's a whole process of doing it and everything. So I looked up how to do it and I did it. And I had this little sigil in a little piece of paper that was about the size of a quarter. (laughs) 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 Probably even a little bit bigger than it, it needed to be. And during my ritual, when it came time to burn my intentions, I'm like, all right, cool. So I did a little bit of meditation and I, I used the intention to the sigil. I, I put it into the sigil, the intentions of each thing that I wanted to release. And then I, you know, I held it to the candle. And of course, because it was a little piece of paper, I had to be careful <laughs> not to burn my fingers. And I'm thinking, all right, I have to do a metal note. I have to get like my ice, pit, like my ice grabbers out. I have these right? metal like ice tongs. <laughs> I have to use those next time I'm going to burn something because at least I'll make sure it burns all the way. So I had to kind of pick it out of the, the little copper bowl that I use. And, but anyway, it did, it burned in and no, I'm happy to report. No sprinklers went off. Woo-hoo! Fire alarm didn't go off. It was fantastic. So um, that was a great, great thing to do. So thanks for that recommendation. Yeah, you're April. welcome. <laughs> you're oh. welcome. My pleasure. So speaking of rituals and celebrating and traditions, uh, today's episode is about the wheel of the year or pagan traditions, Wicca traditions. We're talking about the different things that we celebrate as Wiccans or witches or pagans. And first of all, I'd like to start with a disclaimer, which, you know, I do a lot, but you never know, this might be the first time someone listens. So I want to make sure you know, we're not trying to convert anyone, push an agenda, anything like that. We are simply just presenting this information and some ideas for you to add to your own practice if you wish to do so. So as always, just do what works for you. These holidays or celebrations are used in paganism and Wicca. We are covering both. So April's kind of taking the lead with the witchy stuff. And I'm going to cover the Norse paganism things, just because that's kind of the direction that I'm going in with my spiritual path right now. There are many 
other types of paganism. There's Celtic paganism and a bunch of other types that uh, have maybe a little bit of differences, but because there's so many different ones, we're just going to do our best to present you with this information in a general sense. Now, these festivals are all based upon folk traditions, which are largely influenced by British and Celtic paganism in modern days, as well as a, having a strong European and Germanic influence. They do fall on the year's solar events, so the equinoxes and solstices, and those are sometimes referred to as quarter days, but also they fall on the midpoints between these solar events, which are called sometimes the cross quarter days. They are planned around the cycle of the seasons and agricultural activities. And a lot of them, again, have to do with the sun cycles as well, the death and rebirth of the sun and sunlight. They will vary uh, as far as when they're celebrated based on whether you're in the northern or southern hemisphere. Now, most of what we're going to be talking about, because we're in the northern hemisphere, we're kind of, we might have that flavor a little bit, but just know that the southern hemisphere does the opposite. And we'll, we'll go through this as we go through each one as well and kind of give you an idea in case you're one of our listeners from Oz or somewhere else in the Southern Hemisphere. Wiccans or witches call each celebration a Sabbat or Sabbat, and you have the differences between greater and lesser Sabbats. And that has to do with which ones are cross-quarter days, which ones are equinoxes, solstices. But you have the greater Sabbats, which are Samhain, Inbolc, Beltane, and Lamas, which is also called Lunasa, and the lesser Sabbats, which are Yule, Astara, Letha, and Maybon. So if you're not familiar with those yet, stay tuned. We're going to be going through those in just a bit. And the Norse Scandinavians would also often add blot as a suffix. For example, Thor's blot is about Thor, which is the god thunder. Dates are going to vary from year to year since the exact dates of the solar events will vary. But there's a festival approximately every six weeks, and sometimes they're celebrated over a number of days. So it's not just a one-day thing. The dates we're using are for 2021 for the most part. And even person to person, there may be some differences between how or when you might celebrate these things. For example, uh, I would do in bulk, but Jen may do disting to stay with her Norse pagan roots. One thing is it's always appropriate to do certain things on Sabbaths or these blots, and that would be divination, space clearing, and fire rituals. So every single one of these things, it's appropriate to do those And practices vary widely. We'll cover the most common. Uh, We'll cover some very basic ideas on celebrating each one. And again, if you want to observe any of these traditions or practices, just do what resonates with you. And don't feel pressured to do too much. Most people just have their favorite holidays, including us. And we'll talk about that as we go along. Absolutely. When I first started doing this, I was in med school when I first started trying to do the wheel of the year and I I couldn't keep up with it because it was like, Oh, you got a new moon. You've got a full moon. You've got these Sabbaths. And it was just a little too overwhelming Mm -hmm. for me. So don't get overwhelmed uh, because there's something happening all the time. If you're like having a crazy time and you wake up one day and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's in bulk or whatever. Uh, or it's the new moon and you really want to do something, even just something as simple as just lighting a white candle in remembrance, that's enough. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to start the year off with my personal favorite, which is Samhain. And you may, if you're just looking at the spelling on that, it's S-A-M-H-A-I-N, but the pronunciation is Samhain. And it runs through October 31st to November 1st in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're uh, down South at Southern Hemisphere, that's going to be April 30th through May 1st. It's also known as Halloween, Celtic New Year's Eve, or the Witch's New Year. And then as far as the Northern paganism, we call it Ancestors Night, Harvest Fest, or Winter Nights. Samhain is the final harvest when all the crops have been gathered in, they've been harvested in preparation for the winter. And if you had any animals that the people thought weren't fit or healthy enough to make it through the long winter, then those animals were butchered and often used, uh, the meats were used as feasts for celebration or to last you throughout the winter. Sometimes they were even made into sausage. 
Now, this is also a time where the veil between worlds is the thinnest, and pagans believed you could easily communicate with spirits which were roaming the earth. So some cultures believed that your ancestors came to visit you during this time. For Wiccans, there's a whole story. It's almost like a creation story that goes along with the seasons and the sun. But Samhain is the time where the sun goddess died and leaves the goddess in her crone or elderly aspect, if you will, pregnant and in mourning. So he will be reborn on Yule, which is the winter solstice, and that will signify the return of the sun. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. So in Norse paganism, it can be called elf blessing, Disblessing or fray blessing, which is a time to honor ancestral spirits, uh, the veneer, which are the male gods, the spirits of the land, fruitfulness, wisdom, and death. So it's all kind of going still along similar lines as Wicca, but just a little different, called different things. So in Norse tradition, rituals were led by the women who were the rulers of the house and everything within it because the men ruled the outside area. This is the beginning of a time of indoor work, thought, and craftsmanship, and the turning of the year from summer to winter. So awareness shifts from the outside to the inside. And then the wild hunt begins to ride after winter nights, and the roads and fields no longer belong to humans. This is the time that ghosts and trolls start coming out. Things are getting colder. People are going inside, so the ghosts and trolls start coming out. And the restless souls of the dead and those yet to be born also walked among the living. The dead could return to the places they lived. So food and entertainment were often provided in their honor. It's a time to celebrate our bonds to those living as well as our ancestors, a time to show great respect for the dead. Old tales were told and great deeds are toasted. And it's a time to think of accomplishments achieved and those which have yet to be made. So some of the ways that you can celebrate Samhain is to make an ancestor altar, and that can include a photo of your deceased loved ones, some of their favorite foods or beverages, and certain flowers of the season like chrysanthemums are really popular. And if you're going to make a Samhain altar just to celebrate the season, not necessarily your ancestors, but that can be filled with candles or decorations in black, orange, gold, purple, silver, and white, popular animals like owls, cats, ravens, and bats and harvest fruits like corn, pumpkins, apples, berries, pomegranates, and nuts. So just an assortment of harvest fruits and vegetables. You can use seasonal symbols like pumpkins, brooms, cauldrons, autumn leaves, and you can wear and decorate with your Samhain colors. So orange, black, purple, burgundy, gold, either on your altar space, or you can use crystals in these colors just to add a little extra touch. And you can also do something that's called a dumb supper. The dumb supper is where you set a place for your deceived loved ones at the table and everyone eats in silence. This allows your ancestors to communicate with you in their own way. When you're silent, you can be more receptive. You can make it extra special by cooking traditional family recipes that have passed down to you from deceased loved ones. Carving pumpkins, bobbing for apples, or telling family stories are also popular. And because this is the witch's new year, you can make your new year's resolutions or goals for the coming year. And it's a very popular time since the veil is thin to perform any kind of divination rituals. Many witches or pagans will perform divination rituals during any of the celebrations, but because the veil is thin here, it's especially easier to communicate with those on the other side. So Sabbaths are always a good time to do home clearing and cleansing, getting rid of old stagnant energy so that you can make way for fresh energy coming in. Okay, and next we're going to cover Yule, and Yule takes place during the winter solstice. So right around December 21st, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, or June 20th, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, again, that just depends on when the winter solstice actually takes place. Also known as Yuletide, Midwinter, or Mother Night, uh, sometimes known as the Longest Night, And the celebrations last 12 days, starting on the winter solstice. So if that sounds familiar to you, the 12 days of Christmas, well, guess what? This predates Christianity by thousands of years. It's the holiest and most popular of all the native Germanic spiritual celebrations. So it marks the return of the sun god Baldur from the realm of hell. 
So basically, the sun gun builder is coming back. It's the turning point for the yearly cycle because the wheel is at its lowest point and it's ready to rise again, the return of fertile seasons. So in Norse tradition, the first night of Yule is called the mother night where Frigga and the Desir, which are the female ancestral spirits, are especially honored on this night. It's the shortest day and the longest night of the year. A traditional vigil from dusk to dawn is held on the mother's night to make sure that the sun will rise again and welcome her when it does. Traditionally, the Yule log was kept burning all night to symbolize how life lasts even on the darkest night of the year. The ashes and leftover pieces were often used in rituals for the remainder of the year. And in Wiccanism, there's a bit of a story. It's the Oak King and the Holly King. So the Oak King represents the light, while the Holly King represents the dark. So at Yule, the Oak King defeats the Holly King, bringing light back to the world. So this means that the days begin to get a bit longer towards summer. And the goddess, after giving birth to the new sun god at Yule, she will rest in the earth until in bulk. And there she will regenerate to become a young maiden again. So this is when the dead return to earth and share the feasts of the living. You'll find that elves, trolls, and other magical beings roam freely at this time and must either be sent away or invited in to come in friendship and peace. Now, as far as celebrating, if you decorate for Christmas or celebrate Christmas, you're probably already doing a lot of things that originated in the Norse and Germanic Yule traditions. When the first Christian missionaries began converting the Germanic people to Christianity, it was just easier to provide a Christian reinterpretation for the popular feast they were already celebrating rather than to try and suppress them. Halloween and Easter are also derived from these Northern customs. Some of the traditions you can carry on as well would be things like dancing, feasting, and enjoying family, host a Yule feast with traditional foods. Gifts of food and drink are left out for the restless dead, so you can set a place for your deceased loved ones at the holiday meal. Uh, Giving Yule gifts to others. Now, traditionally, a Yule gift is an item that you made yourself, or something useful that that person doesn't already yet have. So it's not like just necessarily a, you know, an Afghan or a pair of slippers, something that a little bit more thought has gone into. So during this time of year, fir or pine trees representing Yggdrasil, the Norse tree of life, were decorated and adorned with gifts outside. Now, at some point in Germany, the trees were brought indoors to be hidden from church authorities. So that's where that whole tradition of the Christmas tree came from inside your house. I was actually wondering that uh, when I was putting up my Christmas tree this year, I don't think I'd ever heard that story this past year. And I was like, why do we put a tree in our house? And now I know. For the, for the Celts, it was a little bit of a different reason. It, It signified life even though darkness was outside. So things like apples and the Christmas trees were really popular because they were alive and vibrant and colorful when the land was covered in snow and so much stuff is dying. So a slightly different um, way to look at it from the Celt perspective. So you can also do things like decorating your home with paper cutouts, uh, festoons, which is just a fancy name of saying bunting, (laughs) Um, stars, wooden toys, In Scandinavia, they still do things like decorate with straw goats, which originated from the Yule goats or Yule Bakken, which pulled Thor's chariot. At one point in history, Father Christmas rode a Yule goat. So before the reindeer came along. Straw goats are traditionally made from the last part of the fall harvest. It's actually saved just for that reason. Also, Tomta, those cute little gnomes that you see, the Scandinavian ones, their job is to guard the treasures under the tree. So if you don't have a Tomta, I highly recommend it. Ooh, I'm going to look for one this next Yule. Exciting. So you can also decorate your tree with edibles like cookies or gingerbread men or fruit. And that was a sign that the fairies were welcome into your home and they could take shelter from the winter and they were supplied with food 
from the food you had on your tree. And holly was also brought in and hung by your front door as a means of protection for you and your family during the dark winter. However, any holly you brought in needs to be burned it in bulk so that the fairies don't stay and cause mischief unless you want them to. Yeah, just be careful when you burn it. Reference <laughs> That's right. Previous episodes, <laughs> take it from us. Yes, <laughs> it, it lights up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing you can do is make a Yule log. Now, usually, generally speaking, you want to find a log in nature. It's best to use a log from your own region if possible. Decorate it with things like ribbons, candles, cinnamon sticks, and holly, greens, pine cones. You can search the internet for tutorials, but you can also use it as a centerpiece if you didn't want to burn it. Um, If you do decide to actually burn it, please do so safely again. (laughs) Absolutely. And tradition states that Yule Logs should be found or given, but not purchased for the best luck. So I have a question about that. What if I purchased one and gave it to you? Does that count? Well, here's what I say. Witchcraft and paganism, that's your own practice. There's no rules. You do, you boo is the theme of the world. So yeah, it's hard because none of us have farms and a lot of us don't have lands. You know, I mean, we're urban. We live in the city. Like I was thinking about that. I'd have to drive for a couple hours to find a place where maybe there was something suitable as a Yule log. But even then, yeah. I'm not going to go traipsing around on someone's property and worry about yeah. getting shot. You know. So what I did for mine is I found one while I was walking the dogs. It was this chip of a pine tree. And I brought that in and used as my Yule log. So you'll be amazed if you kind of ask your angels, your guides, your spirit team, your nature spirits, hey, I'm looking yeah. for something of a, like for to use as a Yule log. You'll be surprised at what's provided for you. But look around. And that's actually a great opportunity to work with elementals like right. gnomes or elves or even fairies and ask them for help for you to find one. And I'm sure they would be happy to because you're doing something that they fully support. Yeah. So as far as the Yule log, typically it has three candles on it and you can put an intention on the, them with three hopes for the future and then let them burn down. You could also instead, alternatively, burn some bay leaves with these intentions. The 12 days of this celebration are often used for baking things like cakes, cookies, and breads. So why not make a Yule log cake? Okay, so you know I'm about practical magic, aka that low magic, and I saw someone on social media this year who had this brilliant idea, (laughs) and she took one of these Swiss cake rolls, stuck three birthday candles on top of it, and that was the Yule Log. And I'm like, hello, that is so brilliant. So if you don't have nature in your world, you are going to have a grocery store with some Swiss cake rolls and some birthday candles, and you get to make your own traditions. By the way, if you've never had a frozen ho-ho, I highly recommend it. Right? Sidebar. I, you know what? This just made my fat little Taurus heart happy because I'm like, what? Plus it's cake. I know it's you're cake. all about cake. You're the cake I, girl. Yes, cake is my thing. Speaking of cake, another thing, uh, oaths were often sworn on a hallowed boar, which is the total the totem animal of Freya. So nowadays, boar cakes are used to make Yule oaths. Now, it's funny because I'm like, what is a boar cake? So I did a search and it's literally a cake that's shaped like a boar, literally. Um, So the New Year's resolution is derived from the Yule oath. You can also enjoy some mulled wine, which is called glog in Sweden, which we did recently at our last Mm -hmm. Yule celebration. We had a little glog. Because it's such a long time, think of some things that you can do daily for the 12 days of this celebration, maybe like a daily meditation, greeting the sun, like especially on the day of the equinox, uh, journaling, lighting a candle on your altar as an offering, and also doing some divination, pulling a tarot or oracle card. Of course, you can do this again during any of the Sabbaths. Some of the altar adornments that you might want to include would be your Yule, your Yule log, especially if you have a little like a Swiss cake roll, right? Some right. holly, mistletoe, pine cones, also fruits, nuts, cloves, dried orange slices, cinnamon sticks, poinsettias, pictures or figurines, or even just symbols of winter animals like elk or deer, snowflakes, bells. And again, also you can use your mulled wine 
or have hot chocolate. I actually use wine on my altar every time. So although sometimes if I don't have wine, I will use juice. But at any rate, the colors for Yule are red, white, yellow, green, silver, and blue. So you can decorate in these colors either on your altar, on your home, or even just wear them. So, you know, I'm a Taurus. Like I said, I'm a fat kid that loves cake. But now we're talking about cake. I'm like, ooh, little Debbie makes these strawberry shortcake rolls. And I'm like, how can I incorporate that into our next holiday coming up, (laughs) which is in bulk, sometimes called in bulk or Bridget's Day or Candlemas. And that's February 1st through the 2nd in the Northern Hemisphere or August 1st through the 2nd in the Southern Hemisphere. It's also known as spring mother disting or disablot. It's the first new moon in February in Norse paganism. It is an official holiday in Sweden. So disting actually means assembly of the goddesses. All right. It's the halfway point between winter and spring. So daylight is increasing and it's bringing the hope and that stirring for spring. I think Jen mentioned earlier, you've got this energy that was turned inward in the winter. Now we're starting to stir it and turn it back outward again. Yeah. In Scandinavia, this is when the first furrows would be plowed and there would be a blessing of the work of the coming year. It's a time because it's a fire festival, because it's a time where the energy is going outward. It's a good time to purify mind, body, and spirit. You can plant new thought seeds for the future. And it's the first stirrings of earth. So spring cleansing, time for purification, growth and renewal. Mother Earth is wakening up from her slumber. So pagans often give thanks to the goddess Brigid. Now Brigid is known as a triple goddess, meaning that there are three aspects to her and often they're given three different names, but there are many triple goddesses in paganism and it kind of goes along with that maiden, mother, and crone aspect. And each version of the goddess has a different aspect or speciality. So just to back up a little bit, just so I know you mentioned pagans give thanks to the goddess Bridget. Actually, Norse paganism does not particularly use that goddess. Uh, We might use Freya or one of the other gods, but not specifically Bridget. Okay. So I should say Celtic paganism yeah. often <laughs> that's fine <laughs> does goddess bridget all right so healing poetry fire smith craft arts and craft is what the goddess bridget is known for and this time of year is often used to initiate new witches into covens or for rededications the oak king's energy is growing stronger and that corresponds to the longer days so in celebration of in bulk as we've mentioned earlier cleaning and decluttering your house yeah, for me, when I celebrate a disting, because it's the it's a time for welcoming in new light, uh, something that I had read that I incorporated into my practice was I went throughout my entire home and turned on every single light because we're bringing in the new light. And I did this actually at sunset time. And then while those lights were on, I did an energy cleansing. So because it's a cleanse of mind, body, and spirit, it's an excellent time to do a detox or clean up your diet. You can also make crafts like a Bridget's Cross. So Bridget's Cross is a small cross usually woven from rushes. Typically, it has four arms and it's tied at the ends with a woven square in the middle. You could also make a bridey doll, which is a doll made of corn husks. Some people call it a corn dolly. Set a cloth out overnight for Bridget to bless as she roams the earth. So because Bridget is the goddess of healing and arts and crafts, if you're part of those industries, you can use that cloth that Bridget has blessed in your endeavors. And because it's a Celtic fire festival, light a bonfire and burn your list of worries away. And as we mentioned earlier, burn that holly left over from Yule carefully because it goes up quick Mm -hmm. so that the fairies won't stay and cause mischief. Yeah, for me, when um, I also in my practice, I had some seeds. So I planted some seeds. You can also obviously make an altar with any of the above things, including the seeds, which I did. I incorporated them into my ritual. So if you'd like to do any sort of decorating or altar, you can do that with the embo colors, which are red, pink, yellow, green, and white, and use any crystals. If as Pinterest is an amazing resource for looking at how you can do your altars. 
All right. So next on the list, we have Ostara. And this occurs during the spring equinox around March 20th in the Northern Hemisphere or around September 21st in the Southern Hemisphere, also known as summer finding. In early Christianity, Ostara was absorbed as Easter. It's named after the goddess Ostara. Also, I think. Estra. Estra. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's spelled kind of oddly, so it's a little intimidating to look it, at. But it is spelled like the British use for estrogen. Oh, okay. It's the same way they have the spelling for estrogen, E-O-S-T-R-E. Right. So her name means East and Glory, and she represents springtime and the renewal of life. So at the equinox, the sun rises directly in the east and sets directly in the west. Light and darkness are in balance with the amount of light increasing at this point. This is new beginnings, life emerging, a time to manifest new goals for the year. Cast behind you the darkness of the past and look forward to the beginnings of the new year. At this point in the year, the Oak King is courting the maiden goddess and they become lovers again to carry on the story. Now, traditional folk decorations include things like budding boughs, flowers, decorated eggs, and the rabbit motif. In Germanic tradition, the decorated eggs were brought or laid by the Easter hare, H-A-R-E. This animal was considered a sacred beast of the goddess Ostara and could only be killed and eaten with her blessing. Fires were burned at dawn uh, because this is when the sun was coming up. You could do the same if you wanted to or light a candle as a representation. They also had plays depicting summer literally beating up winter, burning or drowning it. So you might want to do something a little more peaceful, (laughs) symbolic. (laughs) So farewell to winter, light a candle, uh, hold it as an intention of saying goodbye. And after all, you know, winter will return. So it's kind of like, see you next time. Decorating eggs is something you could do. Baking hot cross buns. The round buns represent the feminine goddess, and the cross actually symbolizes the sun crossing over during the equinox. Uh, It's a time again for new beginnings. So starting new habits and practices or creating things are all good things to do. Peak time for manifesting, of course. So doing a meditation or a ritual to manifest what you want. Uh, We did a podcast episode a couple t- a little while ago about manifesting. So it's a good one to check out. If you prepare an altar for a star, some of the symbols you might want to use for that or for decorating just in your home would be eggs, a nest, a basket, rabbits, and snakes. These things all symbolize rebirth. Also a watering can, seeds and flowers, especially fresh flowers. I personally like to use fresh flowers on my altar, no matter which ritual I might be doing. Uh, using Ostara colors, including using crystals or wearing the colors of Ostara would be green, light blue, lavender, black, and white. Now, if you use black and white, because they symbolize the balance of light and dark, just, you I mean, you do what you want. But for me, I'd want to use them together just to make it complete. It'd be kind of like having an incomplete set if you have one without the other, but that's just the lever in me. All right. So now we're coming up to my second favorite wheel of the year celebration, and that is Beltane. You may also hear it pronounced as Beltana if you are Irish. And that is also called May Day. And it's from April 30th to May 1st in the Northern Hemisphere or October 31st through November 1st in the Southern Hemisphere. And in Norse paganism, it's called May Eve, Walburgus Night, or or Walpurgisnacht. And, like, you know, did, did you have to learn how to say that? I'm like, we're worse. No, remember, <laughs> hey, remember, I was in a German choir and I oh, sung in right. German for quite a while. So I picked up a lot of the pronunciations. But I will tell you something. We, it was over, we sang a lot of Christmas songs. So we sang about Schnee, which is snow, and Glocken, which is clocks. But I learned the word Nacht which means night. But one time I pronounced it incorrectly. I said knocked and uh, I was corrected quickly because that means naked. So, you know, you want to make sure (laughs) you say the right thing if you're saying so Valpurgis Nacht. Yeah. I was just waiting to see how you were going to pull that one out because I'm over here mentally sounding it out like a little elementary school person. (laughs) 
Yeah, like I was with with Esther or whatever <laughs> that like I can't pronounce girl. that, but I can say Valpurgisnacht. Yeah. So anyway, this is one of the main holidays in Sweden and Finland, even today, also celebrated in Germany. It marks the beginning of summer in Scandinavia, and it honors Freya as she is the goddess of love and also the goddess of witchcraft. So Beltane is a celebration of abundance, fertility, life, and sexuality. Also, you can use it to honor your woodland spirits. And for me personally, I notice an increase in libido whenever Beltane rolls around. So I was like, oh, I can feel it coming. Yeah, it's springtime. This is when everybody's, you know, ready to get That's right. (laughs) It is one of the sacred Celtic fire festivals and the final festival of spring that heralds the coming of summer. This festival is second only to Samhain in the importance to the Celts. So this is another time of year where the veil is thin and it's easier to connect with spirits. Beltane and Samhain are on the opposite sides of the Celtic wheel, which is why we're in Beltane in the north, our friends in the south will be in Samhain. One heralds the beginning of summer, while the other the beginning of winter. So sightings of fairies, strange creatures, and spirits are common, and the land is filled with magic. The Oak King at this point will marry the maiden goddess, and the new god is conceived at Beltane. So if you want to celebrate Beltane, you can create a maypole and dance around it with ribbons. The maypole is actually a phallic symbol because this is a fertility holiday, right? So celebrate your connection to magic, nature, and the land and the gods. Wear a wreath of flowers in your hair. You can create a fairy garden. And you could burn two candles, one in silver and one gold, to represent the union of the god and the goddess. And because it's a fire festival, light a bonfire and toss your wishes into it. So it's considered very good luck to make wishes at Beltane. Yeah. And in the Norse tradition, they burned large bonfires beginning at twilight. So this is also because this is about marriage and love and fertility and abundance, sexuality, you can do a hand fasting ceremony with your honey. So in ancient times, hand fasting could go a number of different ways because people did not always have access to a priest. So hand fasting originated as a way that you were engaged or married even, and that would last a year and a day until such time as you could find a priest because you were expected to legitimize that marriage in the eyes of the church following a hand fast. Other cultures, and depending on different times, hand fasting was simply an engagement, but you weren't sexually intimate with your partner until the actual marriage took place, but was still considered a binding contract. In other cultures, it was considered a trial marriage And that because it lasted a year and a day, at that point, your contract expires and you could choose to walk away Hmm. and not consider that marriage. So it's got a multiple different meanings on that. Yeah. And actually in the book that I have, I didn't see anything about the contract or anything like that. They actually go through a ceremony for hand fasting. Mm -hmm. So if April, if you meet the man of your dreams, you want to do hand fasting, (laughs) I am happy to oblige as your priestess. I would be more than honored. But anyway, so hand fasting was more kind of explained as being spiritually bound to your partner. So it's more, in some ways it can be more than taking a vow to get married, certainly more than just going to the courthouse and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, I do. Um, But it's kind of a a really spiritual celebration between two people. So often their hands were bound in ribbon or cord, and that would just signify the joining of those individuals. You could also jump over a flame and declare your love for your honey, create a garden for yourself, and you can alter, adorn your altar with yellow daisies, ivy, flowers, ribbons, wreaths, bird's nests, honey, pictures or figurines of fairies, bees, butterflies, doves, frogs, and the Beltane colors are yellow, green, pink, white, pastel. I would also venture to say the fire colors, so red, orange, yellow. All right, so next on the list, we have Letha. And that takes place around the summer solstice. So that would be around June 21st in the Northern Hemisphere or December 21st in the Southern Hemisphere. Also known as Sun and Venda or Midsummer. 
Midsummer is still celebrated, especially in Sweden, where on Midsummer's Eve is the big celebration, which would be, for example, June 20th, where Midsummer's Day was June 21st. So it's almost like if you think there's like a big, huge New Year's celebration on July, on January, sorry, on December 31st, but on January 1st, everybody's just kind of hung over <laughs> and watching football. Uh, Midsummer related holidays, traditions and celebrations are found in all the dramatic countries of Northern Europe. Midsummer's Eve is considered the second greatest festival of the Germanic holy year, which is comparable only to the 12 days of Yule. And by the way, this is my favorite holiday to celebrate. So I'm really looking forward to doing some of these things for the upcoming Midsummer. It is the most important celebration in Druidism, which is a religion that honors peace in the earth. So during this time, summer is at its height and the sun shines for the longest amount of time. It's the longest day of the year and therefore the shortest night of the year, especially in Scandinavia, which is so far north. There are more than 19 hours of daylight that time of year. So when I lived in Anchorage many years ago, this was a huge party day for us up there because there was 21 hours of daylight up in Anchorage and it was a huge celebration. Mm -hmm. So even though people weren't necessarily going uh, any ritual for paganism or witchcraft, (laughs) but it was like solstice, the weather was always good that week. So it was bright and it was sunny and people were just like, holla, you know, it was great up there. Yeah. And you know what? I think part of that has to do with just generally the energy from Mm -hmm. the celebration itself, just the energy from everything that's going on in the sun and the moon and the stars and the elementals and everything is adding to that whole collective energy. So it totally makes sense. This is another turning point of the wheel. We're about to enter the second half of the solar year where the light is on the decline. Traditionally, they would make blessings with and honor the death of the Norse god of sunshine, who is Baldur. So for Wiccanism, the goddess is pregnant at this point with the sun god she conceived at Beltane. And the power of the oak king is declining. So at the solstice, the holly king defeats the oak king and the darkness will begin to grow. So in the north, this is the time when the Vikings who have their crops are all safely planted. They're going to be sailing off to do battle in other lands. Time for action and risk and for reaching fearlessly outward. It's a time for honoring and communing with elves, fairies, and dwarves, the earth elementals. Uh, It's also time for fairy migration. They spend the summer wandering, stopping at people's homes to accept gifts for the abundance of the season. So some of the ways you could celebrate would be working with those fairies. Now, we did an episode with Karen Kay, the fairy lady, a couple episodes ago. So that would be a good one to check out. But the basics about working with the fairies would be, and other elementals as well, would be inviting them to your home. That would be outdoors, not into your home. But let them know you want to be their friend. Leave them a sacrifice, like a bowl of berries, some sweets, or something shiny. And just being kind to Mother Earth because they're the Earth Guardians. Now, some other ways you can celebrate in the folk traditions, they would make wreaths, kindle fires and burn the corn dollies that they had made in previous celebrations. Uh, The adornment of fields, barns and houses with greenery, which you'll still see today. A lot of barns, especially if you're driving around in Sweden during this time of year, you'll see a lot of greenery around these barns. They would also They also sometimes make model ships like Viking ships, and they make them out of thin wood and fill them with small flammable offerings and then burn them. Some other traditional events include things like raising and dancing around a huge phallic maypole. Before the maypole is raised, they put greens and flowers on it. They collect those and cover it. And that actually means to May. The word May means to cover. That's where the word Maypole comes from. Not because it's in May or May Day, like April had just talked about. It's also used here during midsummer. Raising and dancing around a Maypole, traditional music is primarily a fertility ritual, just like April had just talked about with Beltane. So you could also get some plants and or nurture the ones that you have doing things like repotting them, fertilizing them, maybe adding some crystals. I personally like to, in my plants, use unikite, green moss, agate, and clear quartz. And you could also just put some 
pretty summer flowers into some pots. So at, during this time as well, you can make wands out of fallen branches or a besom. So a besom is often referred to as a witch's broom. So you can collect branches and fashion a broom that you use to ritually cleanse your space. So this is a time you can also do things like picking berries and gathering herbs, uh, connecting with birds, which honestly, those are the kind of things that birds do. But putting out a bird feeder or making one with uh, using a pine cone, peanut butter and bird seed. That's something that I've done with my kids and my grandkids actually um, doing some bird watching. Also, because this is the time of year when the sun is at its peak, getting up at sunrise to greet the sun, doing things like meditating, doing yoga, like a sun salutation pose would be completely appropriate, doing some kind of ritual. Also, you can watch the live feed of Stonehenge. This is when the sun rises perfectly through the heel stone and over the formation. Um, Of course, you can also do this during Yule at the sunset when the sun is again at the equinox. And you can actually watch that all on YouTube, absolutely live. Or I think they also do a feed on Facebook for that. So if you're interested in watching it, it is pretty cool. I've seen it. Go ahead and look it up. So also you can do a sun dance or a spiral dance. And this is a group dance that honors midsummer, which is if you do look on YouTube, you can see people doing it's kind of almost like a conga dance, except you're not doing the conga and it's in the shape of a spiral. You're not just wandering around between tables and through the bar like you would at a wedding. (laughs) A little different. (laughs) And again, having to do with the sun, doing something with fire, like have a bonfire, light candles, scry into a flame, or even just host a barbecue. Um, Something that I plan to do uh, is to, I will be hosting a barbecue. April, you're already invited. Save the date. And uh, going to be just, you know, zhuzhing it up a little. You know me well enough. Now I will be wearing my flower crown and I'll encourage you to do the (laughs) same. Well, maybe we'll make some. We'll see what kind of materials I can find to do that. But um, so, you know, wearing a flower crown also is another way that you can show reverence. And summer solstice is the height of the hand fasting season. It's just like, you know, when you think about traditional weddings, this is a time when weddings are the busiest. So it's a great time for this ceremony as well as Beltane. Some of the altar adornments or decorations you can put around your home would include any symbol of the sun, uh, which would be fire, light, like fairy lights, candles, sunflowers, or even just something circular. You can place stones or crystals in a circle on your altar. Uh, Also using things like feathers, oak leaves, cinnamon, summer fruits like strawberries, images or figurines of fairies, birds, butterflies, and bees. And the colors for Letha, which you can use to decorate with or wear, are gold, green, yellow, orange, red, and white. The next holiday we have coming up is Lamas or Lunasa. There are a few different spellings to Lunasa, and one of them is L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H, and that is referencing the Celtic god Lu. And that date is from July 31st to August 1st in the Northern Hemisphere or February 1st to 2nd in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's also known as Harvest Mother or Freyfest, which is in honor of the Norse god Freyr. And also Lamas, which comes from Hlafmas, which means Loaves Festival. So uh, Lamas or Lunasa, I usually say Lunasa just because I have a Celtic leaning, right? It's the first harvest festival marking the midpoint between summer and fall. It's a time where... The harvest is just starting to come in, especially grains, and you're giving thanks for all that you've received so far, while also looking forward in gratitude for the abundance yet to come. At this point, the sun god's strength is waning, and for some pagans, the Celtic sun god Lu transfers his powers and energy to the grains. Once the grains are harvested and baked into bread, his life cycle is complete. Now, in the north, this feast is especially thought of as holy to Freyr, like I had mentioned before, as a fertility god, but also Thor as a harvest god and his wife, Sif, whose long golden hair is said to be seen in the rippling fields of ripe grain. Sounds so poetic. 
<laughs> Warriors who had gone off to fight at the end of planting season. Remember I talked about that a minute ago. Well, now they're coming back at this time. They've loaded with plunder. They've got ships full of all kinds of goodies and they're ready to reap the crops that had ripened while they were gone. It's the end of the summer's vacation and the beginning of a time of hard work, which lasts through the next two or three months while we ready ourselves for the winter. Ways to celebrate Lunasa include making a loaf of homemade bread or baked goods. And the Norse people would traditionally make a loaf of bread in the likeness of the god Frere and then symbolically sacrifice and eat it. You can also make corn dollies to place on your altar along with corn, baked goods, flowers, and grains. Light a yellow, orange, or gold candle to represent the harvest season and share a beer with your loved ones because beer is made from grains, right? So think of it as the beverage of the season. Make a dinner with vegetables that you harvested from your own garden. Make a besom, as we've mentioned earlier. Cast spells for prosperity, transformation, and renewal. Make fruit, preserves, or jams. You can also adorn your altar with corn, baked goods, and flowers, grapes, squash, root vegetables, and berries, bundled herbs to make smudge sticks, and colors of yellow, orange, burgundy, brown, and green. All right, and then next we have Maybon. It's my third favorite holiday. <laughs> and this one occurs during the autumnal equinox. So that's around September 21st in the Northern Hemisphere and around March 20th or 21st in the Southern Hemisphere, also known as Fall Fest and Winter Finding. Now, at this time, the sun is rising directly in the east and setting in the west. Again, it's the equinox. So light and dark are equally balanced again as they were in the spring. This is the second harvest of the season. So there's Thanksgiving for the fruits of the earth. Time to harvest, commune, share, and give thanks. Time to begin gathering food for the long winter. Now, traditionally during this time, festivities included things like bonfires, feasting and dancing. And here's something interesting. After slaughtering the cattle, they would cast the bones into the fire. And that's actually the origin of the word bonfire or bone fire. I did not know that. Mm-mm, me either. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to learn in researching for this show. See, we grow so much by doing this podcast. <laughs> yes, we there would They would have one large communal bonfire and then extinguish their individual fires. So then each family would light their hearth from the common flame as a way of bonding the families of the village together. So one thing you might be able to do if you wanted to is have a bonfire potluck with your closest friends and family. And you could do a little ritual where you each light a candle from the flame or from each other's flames and express your gratitude for each other as you share the meal that everybody made together. So just spending some time with each other. Doing some things with apples also because apples are, you know, very symbolic of this time. So apple picking, baking an apple pie, making applesauce, homemade applesauce is one of my favorite things. So good. So again, this is a time of harvest. So pickling and canning would be a good thing to do or just savoring your favorite wine. This is a time when grapes are, you know, being made into wine. So if you have a favorite wine, you know, I don't need an excuse personally. (laughs) Quite honestly, like I said, I use wine at everyone. So (laughs) Um, sometimes also this is associated with the goddess Persephone, who's also known as the dark mother or the dark goddess like that because it's symbolizing the dark part of ourselves. It's a great time to do shadow work or introspection. And also because of the equinox working on finding balance. So maybe just evaluate where you may need more balance in your life and set an intention to make it happen for yourself. Doing some journaling affirmations or meditation, just focusing on gratitude and appreciation would also be very appropriate during this time. Getting out into nature or really anywhere outside, obviously it's perfect time to do so. That's when the weather is usually pretty good. So going for a walk and enjoying the fresh air, showing appreciation for Mother Earth. So you can collect some things for your altar like acorns, leaves, or twigs, feathers, pine cones, uh, seeds, and other things you can also adorn your altar with would be like bones, gourds, apples, nuts, pumpkins, and again, wine. Uh, owls, wolves, and foxes and squirrels are also animals that you might want to depict on your altar, either with a, an image or a figurine. And the colors of Maybon are red, brown, orange, and yellow. 
So that is our trip around the wheel of the year. It is. Oh, hey, one thing I wanted to mention too, I know I had mentioned that there are other smaller festivals, especially with Norse paganism. There are probably, gosh, 12 to 16 other smaller festivals that they do on a regular basis. But obviously we don't need to focus on them here, but there's so much. And it's pretty interesting how, when you look in that, if that's something you're interested in exploring, how that's carrying on to a lot of the traditions we do today. So it's so interesting how thousands of years ago, these traditions are things that we're still doing today. We sure hope you've enjoyed your trip around the year, trip around the world. with us, with April and Jen. If you have any questions for us or any show suggestions, please do reach out. You can find us at spiritualbasicspodcast.com or send us an email, spiritualbasicspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you. This has been Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. Find full episodes on your favorite listening platform or visit spiritualbasicspodcast.com.